started when I was five and my first memory, this is a good one, was um, it was on a PW50, a little Yamaha. Like, oh yeah, they, like, for sure. 20 inch wheels, something like that. And um, I was riding in the back garden. It's Dude, it was like 20 meters long or something like that. I was riding along the grass, 10 meters. It was all going well. And then I bumped off the grass into mom's flower bed. And as I bumped down, I hadn't really had much experience of a throttle. <laughs> and as I bumped down, my elbow dropped down as well and just revved across the remaining of the garden straight <laughs> into the back shed. And that, that's kind of my, my first memory of being on a bike. Brought to you by Tule, this is You Inspire Us, inspiring stories about all things bike. I'm Elliot Jackson, a bike ambassador for Tule, and today I'm speaking to Scotty Lachlan. As a mountain biker, Scotty got his start racing the Downhill World Cups in the Enduro World Series. He then transitioned to a career as a presenter for the Global Mountain Bike Network, where he created over 400 daily videos and racked up over 40 million video views. Today, he spends his time as a professional athlete and content creator, his Scotty's Scotland Showcase series on YouTube is now on its second season and showcases all the epic trails that Scotland has to offer. Scotty, welcome to You Inspire Us. How are you and where are you? Thanks for having me, man. I'm stoked to be here. Um, right now I'm in Salbeck in the Austrian Alps and filming uh, e-gravel video and photo shoot. So pretty interesting, doing something a little bit different to normal um and it's been really fun so far have you have you done much much gravel stuff in the past gravel's kind of well i guess it's like taken off over the last what three four years something like that and i've done bits and pieces i have a gravel bike i enjoy riding it but to be honest if i'm gonna go for a ride i'm obviously gonna take my mountain bike There'd be no other. Have you have you done any like road stuff? Did you ever get into road, especially like from the GMB and stuff? Yeah, I did. I, the only road stuff I did was when I was racing in Euro World Series, just base mm. fitness stuff, and I enjoyed it. It's good fun. But I'm here in Salback to do a gravel shoot with Safa Bryan. He's kind of road gravel. Um, we met last year, and it just seemed a perfect middle ground where it was like the mountain bike discipline kind of meets the road side of things. And I took yeah. him on an adventure. I know Salback really well and like, dude, let's make this happen. And it just yeah. so happened that the hills here are steep. Well, they're not even hills, they're mountains. Um, <laughs> and the, the electric assist comes into play so well. I, I love it. So maybe rewinding a little bit how did you get into riding mountain bikes in the first place how did i get into mountain biking well i've always been into two wheels it started when i was five um i saw the first ever fort william world cup in 2002 Hmm. and that kind of just inspired me i saw i watched steve p and Stu thompson was kind of the local scottish legend along with carrick crawford anderson and How old were you when um, in 2002? 12. Okay. Um, so that kicked it all off. Watched that race and was like, oh, I want to go mountain biking. So went up the local woods, found there were some jumps, and it just progressed from there, really. The jumps got built bigger and bigger each summer. We'd spend every day of the summer holidays we could riding there, and then kind of wanted to progress some more. So 
discovered the racing side of things and man just went with it and absolutely loved it it was yeah really good and went from racing just in scotland to then across the uk to then doing some world cups um to then um transitioning to enduro world series um and my my life really has just been about bikes i studied mechanical engineering at university um completed that and then the goal was to become professional rider and i joined the cube action team in 2014 for two years and yeah dude i just i guess i just love riding bikes (laughs) yeah i mean i feel like your life uh is you've like blazed a trail for me like all the stuff that you've done like building jumps like that when you were a kid you know racing world cups and and as we'll get into like being a presenter and stuff like that it's like you're living my life like a couple years ahead of me um but did you know i think i think it's always interesting to go from that exposure the first time to then saying like what made you say oh i want to be a professional athlete like did you always know that you wanted to race world cups and and make that a career i think if we went back to 2002 and looked at it no way like i just loved riding my bikes and there'd be maybe a group of 10 to 15 of us and we'd just be there because we wanted to ride and each of us would push each other further and not even faster, it was like who could build the biggest jump or like who would send, who would do the first hit. And I think that progression, you're just looking for the next thing and and racing almost seemed natural. Um, a couple of friends were also interested in it. And yeah, I don't know. I just loved riding. The first ever Scottish Downhill Association event I went to, I was on this Diamondback, I think it was a Diamondback jump comp, hardtail, 100 millimeter duty forks that barely worked front mechanical disc brake rear v brake yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it's on a super technical track man it's yeah, like right. last last year um fox did their testing on the same track no the, way the we raced on, on it, like 20 years ago and i'm riding on a v brake and it's like <laughs> okay things have changed like the lines changed a little bit it's definitely the rocks have become more exposed it's still the same thing right and thinking about yeah. it now and riding on a hard tail like that you'd be like what yeah but, right. but we did it and that's that's just where the like the i was in i was thinking i was 13 at that time and that's where the juvenile started from <laughs> yeah that is so good and um yeah first race didn't even finish crashed out um second race chain jammed and then it was like right we need to work out how i can finish a race and it was like (laughs) went and looked and um the next summer got an orange patriot and that that really changed things man like i don't know they must have had 140 millimeters of travel in the rear little uh, little coil shock and maybe an error i don't know there was a like dream bike at that stage in my life like proper dream bike um that is so good and that kicked it all off i'd say and so do you remember what it was about racing in particular that um that draw you to it kind of like was it kind of like trying to find the flow state was it trying to 
um, like the training and all the preparation and the process of it? I think both of those laterally, like early days, it was just the scene, like the scene in Scotland yeah. Dude, yeah. was incredible. Like everyone knew everyone. Everyone would say hi. You could sit to, we're mm -hmm. going up in tractors and trailers or cattle trucks and sitting on hay bales with the bikes wedged between your legs. And it was just, it was really fun. And the first few races, there was no ambition there apart from just purely to have fun and, and just enjoy riding your bike. And then obviously the more that you do, you start to like, you know, build up your position in the field. And then it was like, okay, see that, you know, riding your bike more helps, right? So then you'd ride your yeah. bike a bit more and then you'd maybe do a bit yeah. better at the next race. And then right. that kind of feeling of like success would draw you to do more and more and Maybe by the time I was 15, 16, be thinking like, oh, could I train? What could I do to better myself, to eat better, to be faster just ultimately? And yeah, it just kind of momentum built, I guess, for it. Yeah. Do you remember like your favorite race runs of all time? Yeah. One, there's one race run, which I think 100% got into that flow state. And that was yeah. uh, British Downhill Series in Fort William. I was in the expert category before moving up to elite. I was having a big battle with a, a couple of riders, Jack Redding, Scotty Mears. And yeah. I just nailed it. Just like start to finish, there was nothing going on in my head. It was completely empty. It was just, everything felt slow, wasn't thinking about anything. And I remember just nailing my lines. And I think I've only maybe got that a couple of times in my life but when you get it it was so good for racing especially yeah man i know exactly what you mean like the there was one for me like fort william qualifying one year where i just had like i could i could tell you every single rock pedal stroke like all of these different things and you i feel like you chase that feeling and there is it's so wild because you, you know, you rode and raced for so long and, and I did too. And you, you have specific moments, like a handful of moments when that, when that happens, it's, it's wild. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I, I don't think I ever achieved what I dreamt of achieving when it came to world cups, but just the enjoyment and feeling of being there. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating too, because we, um, we did, we had a little series on Red Bull and one of the episodes that we did was kind of about the scene like you talked about and we asked a bunch of riders like would you still race World Cups if if you didn't have the community there like if your friends weren't there and like no matter who you asked everyone was like no like it's all about the people. Yeah I think I think when I go back to the early days of my racing career it was all about the people like I could have named most people that were there or you could be like right let's go and ride next weekend and you'd know right that they were going to be there and that was before like you know people had mobile phones or, or you could text really it would just <laughs> yeah, be like you'd be like hey up. i'm going to be at fort william or Dunkeld or Interley. then there were the three uh -huh. riding spots will you be there next week yeah we'll be there and it was just it was cool it it was really really good yeah totally and then you transitioned to EWS. Uh, can you tell me 
like why you made that transition and then maybe just give a little context of like the difference between a downhill race and a enduro world series race yeah so i don't really know why i transitioned but when i think about it it's pretty natural because scotland doesn't have any uplifted mountain bike trails particularly you've got fort william you've got glencoe you've got inner which are really great venues but they're not necessarily the funnest places to ride and at the same time there's this kind of short travel trail bike scene that was growing where you had maybe like 140 150 160 mil travel you could pedal to the top and essentially drop into mini downhill tracks and those tracks were pretty much the freshest the loamiest the funnest and you could just similar to those early days of riding you'd have a group of four or five of you going out you'd have a really good day out on your bike and that kind of led naturally into enduro i i had a hand injury in the last year i raced world cups in 2012 i don't think i even lined up in the end mm-hmm. and i went out to france with some friends they were racing the mega avalanche i signed up to that then we did another couple of smaller like regional enduro races and i was like this is pretty fun again that community feeling you're riding your bike all day you're just having a blast and then enduro world series cropped up in 2013 and i was like that looks pretty cool so it just felt like a really natural transition to jump into that um i raced the first year as a complete privateer bought a bike funded myself to the races lived in a van which again was super fun and and totally all about community spirit where you know you're cooking together you're eating together and just living really a simple life of riding your bike and getting up doing it the next day um and then i had a pretty pretty good year bit of success here and there good success in some of the european series building in in the british um and then I got offered my first place um, on a team to, to go and ride. I don't know if I'd necessarily now say it was professionally because it was bikes and all your expenses paid. Um, and I was still living at home and, you know, I had a little bit of money, but it was, it was pretty limited. Um, but it was like one yeah. of those opportunities that you're like, oh, dude, I got to take it. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So... I mean, it's it's interesting because I've seen so many, you know, Instagram videos and stuff like that of these like insane Scottish trails, and it does feel like it it suits it, it suits racing enduro so much better than downhill. Like you said, like downhill, what is just like this three minute all out thing. Enduro, you're racing all day, like kind of mini different downhill runs. Did you enjoy? You think maybe looking back, you just enjoyed being on your bike more? Was that was that maybe part of it? Yeah, 100%. I mean, dude, to be quite honest, I just love having the wind in your face, going fast, <laughs> you know, just just having fun. Like, that's, that's literally all it was. And I think for me, downhill, I still loved it. And I just had to make a choice of which way I was going to go, you know, like a I didn't have a huge yeah. amount of support having a downhill bike and a enduro bike. It's an expense, never mind trying to go to all the races that you want to and just had to make a decision of what way was it going to go and enduro just kind of 
captured me. I like to also, dude, do you know what else I love? It's just traveling, going to new places, yeah, um, <laughs> experiencing that culture and taking it all in. And that's what was different. You know, I'd been to most of the downhill venues in the UK, Europe. Right. Um, and I was like, huh, this is cool. It's, it's a different scene. You get to experience new places. And, you know, the first year when we went to Pintala, you're in the middle of the... Um, Riviera, I think it is in Italy, and it's just sunny. It's hot, and it was yeah. I guess it just it just you know it caught me, it just got me in a good place. And then the calendar yeah was pretty cool. And the following year, I got to go to Chile and Colorado and Whistler and all across Europe. Totally. And I was like, this is a dream. Like you know, yeah. if, I, if I could go yeah. back to that kid who's jumping in the woods at twelve years old and be like, you're gonna go all these places on your bike, and be like, no way. No, you're not. Yeah, because of your bike. <laughs> yeah. So your your last full year was 2015, um, and then what well, you did a race, I think, in 17, and then you did a downhill race last year. Is there a story behind that? Um, last year was just so I ride for Salback as a resort, and every year they host this festival called Glam Ride, and I was like, mm-hmm. every year come do like perhaps a video or some content around the event. And I was like, what should I do that's different this year? And they have this IXS Rookies Cup. And I was like, why not go and race a downhill race again, just for the <laughs> for the fun of it. Um, so they managed to sign me up real late. And I was like, okay, let's go for it. I hadn't ridden a downhill bike really properly for a year. Um, yeah. Got out of the van, had three runs i think on it before practice started um and each run was it was that same progression that same feeling of excitement and fun but i gotta say man i don't miss the faff and the stress and the feelings <laughs> that go with racing at all like <laughs> totally i totally feel you yeah i it's so funny like you're on the outside and you're like oh yeah like you know all these guys and girls are just stressing out and then as soon as you like put your helmet on get like get between the tape you're like man this is insane yeah and don't get me wrong there is something so ridiculous about a downhill bike and just being able to point it and go over anything and for sure gives you that confidence but yeah i don't know i was like just want to ride it for fun yeah and so tell me how you ended up getting into presenting so oh man this is a it was kind of one of those rare opportunities where Neil at GMBN contacted me and was like, hey, um, we're looking for someone to do some presenting. Mark's leaving. Would you be interested? And their kind of ethos was that they wanted to have ex-professional racers. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. Well, I've never done anything like it, but can give it a shot. And I was like, right, okay, well, we're going to Spain. Would you like to come for two weeks? We'll cover all your expenses. You can come and see the studio and we'll give you a little bit of money. And I was like, sounds good. I didn't have a team or anything <laughs> lined up for racing that year. And I was like, right, that's this seems like a really nice opportunity. I And to be honest, like I don't really feel that I ever made what I wanted to do in racing. And I don't know, do you ever look back and think, I wish I'd done that? Or, you know, 
I wish I'd done something different here. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. I think it's so hard not and to. I had a lot of that and I was like, okay, let's see what it's like. And yeah. Um, so I went to Spain. The first video that they asked me to produce for them was how to fit a helmet. <laughs> how did they go? Uh, <laughs> it's like one of those ones where you're like, you put it on, you do it every day of your life. And then when you on film, you're like, I have no idea how to do this. Yeah. Well, I had to go down for a week and do some script writing and I'd never done anything like okay. this before. So yeah, I was like thinking like going through each step in my head, like, okay, place it on your head. <laughs> yeah. Do like the, the boar, the rapture or whatever you have at the back, tighten that till it's comfortable and tight and not moving around and then you want to oh man it was i don't think i've watched the video for a couple of years but it's pretty bad sure. <laughs> what, what is what was your first impression of just being in that world um seeing all that kind of goes into it and like feeling those emotions i think i was probably surprised how big they were as a company and at the same time just nervous in front of the camera like i you know i done one video talking to a camera before that and i remember before i went on the trip yeah. i was like sitting in the in the hotel room and i was practicing talking to camera i was like this actually isn't so bad because <laughs> on my own no one there and no one watching and then it's a totally different game when you're in the environment and there's someone behind the sure. camera and there's people watching and you don't know you feel really yeah. tense and you're like what do i do with my hands like where do i look and like so um did you so because of that, like, I, I feel like I have the, so many of the same emotions. What made you continue to do it? Like, what made you be like, oh, yeah, this is great. Like, I want to keep doing this. I think, again, the progression. Um, like, so we did those two weeks. No videos were released in that time. But I could see and feel my confidence grow on, on camera. And the guys were being like, you know, we did that first video. And they're like, mm-hmm, that was good. Mm. And then by the end of the week, they're like, oh, that's really nice. Or, you know, it might not have been first take, but it was second take. And they're like, what you're saying is really yeah. fluid. And and then it just kind of grew again in the same way where, you know, we maybe did 10 videos that week. And then we went back to the studio and maybe did 10 more. And then, you know, 20 videos in. 10 in one week. like Yeah, in one week. Yeah. So Wait, so you were writing the scripts like recording like these were i guess they were at that point like more than daily videos yeah so they were doing they were definitely doing daily videos and there would be a very like planned schedule of what was coming up and at that time it it was working so well because i think i started and they had 185,000 subscribers and when i left they had half a million wow it was really cool to be a part of that and what I'm doing now, I'd never be able to have done without having gotten that experience and seeing how they work and understanding, right. you know, filming, editing, post-production, posting the video. I think what I've enjoyed the most about it is just the learning experience of it all. And, and similar to racing, you see that progression building naturally and you're like, huh, this is cool. Like, how can I get better? Like, what can I do to myself to make sure that I'm growing as an individual and for sure and getting better at what I'm doing and delivering and sharing stories or sharing information? I always thought that it was interesting 
how much of a parallel there is between being an athlete and being a presenter. You know, there's like this one moment of performance. You, It's like all about the prep before. If you're not prepared, like once you get in front of the camera, there's really nothing you can do. Is that um, where you started to get interested in kind of the film photography st- side of things? Is just seeing how all that stuff worked? Yeah, definitely. And at the same time, I was also watching what other YouTubers were doing outside of mountain biking, outside of cycling. And I was like, what they're doing is really cool. And, mm. you know, we I, I spent about 18 to 20 months at GMBN. And it came a time where it was like, okay, kind of want to go and do something different. I want to be based back at home in Scotland. And I feel I want to continue that progression in a, in a different way as well. And decided that it was it was time to move on and and take that experience with me and do my own stuff and when I left I'd never picked up a camera or or done any photography or anything I didn't even own a camera and I was like right okay let's see what we can do and I was was inspired by you know people like Jon Olsen, Sam Calder, Mm -hmm. um, Peter McKinnon they were kind of the three people that I'd be watching I'd be like there's no one really doing this in mountain biking. There's no one telling stories of going and riding trails or, and I wanted to take it back to how I worked with when I was racing and you'd be on an individual brand for exclusivity and, and work with them to create a story. So it was kind of merging that racer with what I've been doing at GMBN. And I guess this is, this is the outcome of it five, six years down the line. And it's been, yeah really fun and and interesting and a huge learning curve um where i'd say now is i feel that i'm in a position i almost know what i'm doing (laughs) yeah i mean i'd say so it's it is really interesting to hear you say that like you combine kind of that idea of being on a team having like one specific brand and then getting to see exactly how content is made why content is valuable and then saying, okay, cool. I can combine these two things because I think you were for sure much earlier on. You were one of the first people that really started doing a YouTube channel um, and like creating content. Did you see it like that? Did you feel like you were at the forefront of that whole movement? I'd say there's a few. There was probably, there weren't many with a, a writing background, like what I would say that I have at that time. Yeah. A lot of people doing POV stuff or kind of product reviews and I wanted to do something a little bit different and I, I definitely took inspiration from outside of the mountain bike world to to bring it in and it wanted to do it differently and also learn about how to use a camera because I'd seen the guys using them at, at GMBN and I was like, that's yeah, pretty cool. Like, you know, like how can I shoot this or how can I give more value to the the partners that I'm working with, like Scott Shimano. Um, and, and in the first few years, I, you know, I learned a lot and it's just steadily grown to, to be in, I think now quite a nice position where, you know, if I look back at when I was racing, the, the brand products that I was buying, and I think that's the best position to be in. I'd right. been pretty careful who I partner with and, yeah, I think it's paid off. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about content creation in general. Can you maybe give me 
like a high level overview of the different types like just like high budget versus low budget or long versus short some of the different mediums like just an overview of the landscape yeah i think the one that i'd love to work more in is a higher end stuff it's something that i've never really managed to quite get to that would mm-hmm. be like i guess you know that next stepping stone if we we're talking about how we're doing it but most of it's you know pretty mid-level where it's we're shooting and now have someone else who's helping me pretty much on a summer basis um, to shoot it all and edit it all um, and this year we've done now a few shoots where we've had a second person helping um, and that's been really nice and I'd say that's pretty nice mid stuff and then the the lower stuff is kind of POV I mean it's not really low it still looks really sick and it's for sure really really valuable but it's it can be done on my own I can go for a ride on my own or with friends or whatever and you just click your chesty on or your helmet cam on and you know depending where you are in the time of the day you can grab a little banger <laughs> and that's you know sometimes what you're looking for and I do now try to differentiate when I go for a ride with friends versus when I'm going to go and try and get something specific um, I think that's important and it's something that the first couple of years I went through various stages where I was like super excited and then would really almost burn out because I'd worked so hard or chase something and then I'd go again and it'd be like these like peaks and massive peaks and massive troughs so this this year especially I've tried to level out and really focus on projects that I care about or stories that I want to share or places I want to go and visit and try and make those trips, dream trips happen, really, I'd say. Yeah. I was listening to um, a podcast you did, I think it was in 2018, and you were kind of like just getting started. You were talking about how there was so many different types of content that you wanted to do, you know, the travel, the, you know, these... um, these trips and and bike builds and stuff like that and you weren't quite sure what you wanted to do do you now could you take me through like the mindset then can you remember that and then what it feels like now like do you have a clear picture of exactly what you like to do now yeah 100 percent. i love i think going back to the racing side of things i love just traveling places gaining those experiences riding the trails meeting locals and kind of immersing yourself in that local community Um, and that was like from the content side as well yeah just capturing those moments whether it's a writing Mm -hmm. scene or you know an interview with someone just sitting down and talking and hearing from their perspective whether that's trail building whether that's guiding or you know i've just come back an example is i've just come back from columbia right i came back um, a couple of weeks ago it was I'd say the trip of a lifetime and there's three of us on it. The my Rob, who's kind of my right hand man when it comes to creating the content, had Brody Hood also there shooting photos and we all came back and we we're just like, man, think about what we've done. We were there for eleven days and it was just absolutely <laughs> insane. Like it's like, you know, you hear skiers talking about Japan being the place to go. Yeah. Colombia was just dude, it was untouched like we were riding <laughs> what was the one... best part about it <laughs> just just the riding man a thousand meter lomers with huge <laughs> hits in them berms riding through all sorts of terrain like alpine at the top 
in the forest in the middle and the jungle at the bottom and just oh i can't even describe it it was just <laughs> it was just fun it was just really really fun and we, yeah. we met a, a bunch of riders there as well who were guiding us and, and leading us around their country and there was one rider in particular a guy called chris and he had a total beat up i mean it must have been 10 year plus giant glory and on day one there was this gap and it was like i'm gonna say it was like 50 foot but you came in absolutely tapped and i was like mm, i don't know man i'm I don't really feel that i need to hit that today i'm like you know i feel that now i'm in a position i'm not gonna regret not hitting it but I'd regret hitting right. it and you know crashing or <laughs> Or, or something, you know, something happens and you're like, damn, day one of the trip, done. Right. He sent this gap, just pinned into it. And then, so he cracked the frame. This is day one of the trip. And I was like, and he was like, oh, I don't have another bike. And he'd already borrowed <laughs> this bike. So then the next day he managed to get a bike from this shop. And we're rolling down to a coffee farm to go and have a look and get shown around. And if you can have... Have you been to South America much? You've done. Have you done some street racing? I, I did uh, Valparaiso in Chile, but that was it. That's the only time I've been down there. Um, so kind of, we're rolling down a street, and there's a big building site going on. There's not health and uh -huh. safety like in the UK or whatever, <laughs> and it was just a scaffold ramp, and it was probably, I mean, I looked tiny underneath them. He must have been twelve to fifteen foot in the air on this specialized status that had parts machines specifically for it and just <laughs> boosted off it and we're like can we do that again and he was like yeah i'm gonna go bigger so we did this jump three times to get this picture in this shot and at the end of it dude the bike was the whole rear wheel was shaking side to side all the <laughs> linkages and I, I don't know just getting experiences like that when you're traveling sure totally that that's kind of what made like the memories and the trip and like we rode this other trail that was a thousand meter vertical drop and we rode the probably the best natural switchbacks i've ever ridden they just flowed and they look absolutely incredible the the film that we made about it's coming out at the end of the year and then we got to this mango like it was in a mango plantation and all the mangoes that hadn't been picked were just in the gully that we were riding through rotting and we're following the guide and we're like this is crazy like we weren't filming we were just having pure fun i had a gopro on we're like this is mental and the boys behind me rob and brody are like laughing and the man like the mango's rotting and stinking man. it's absolutely <laughs> gross but it's like flicking up hitting you in the face covered in just squished mango and it's just it's just moments like that that like you yeah. know gonna probably remember for the rest of my life because they were just really really cool and it and again it's just who you're riding with your bike with this i sometimes think what it comes down to you know just having a laugh on it for sure do you have any other moments like that that you remember just around traveling or or like any videos you filmed where you're just like this was the best time ever um oh man there's plenty like even today riding with Safa, we got caught in a thunderstorm and i've got rob and brody here also on this shoot and we're all like huddled around where, where we'd come down the lightning and the storm was going off all around us and we're like 
what should we do? And Brody was like, I'd quite like you to ride up and over this mound. It would be a really nice photo. The backdrop's really sick. And then Rob was like, I'm going to shoot a time lapse. I'm like, okay. And then we're like, should we wait out of the storm? We're standing in this barn, like looking, chatting for a bit. And then we're like, mm, we should probably go now. So we left at like probably the worst time. We climbed up this mountain road and then descended in the just, it was so wet, dude, but just absolutely tapped on this gravel road down from the Spielberg house. It was like maybe a 500 meter drop. It was almost like probably 10% gradient, but just straight, just like straight with like really mellow turns in it. And it's just like, you know, just a ride like that is super fun. It was just funny. Right. Just like totally. covered. You could barely see you were soaked through. Yeah. Do you, when you think about doing a project, how much do you think about what the content's going to be like versus how good the writing's going to be? Um, that's a good question, actually. Probably, like, if I take Columbia, for example, I had no expectations at all going there. Like, no, really no idea what to expect. And they sent me a few GoPro clips and some videos, and I was like, this looks pretty cool. And then got there and was completely blown away. So I yeah. think one of the things that I've, that I have tried to learn, especially when you're going somewhere new, is not to have any expectations and just go and just enjoy it because it's not always just about the writing, it's the people, the culture. But for sure, when I generally try and plan a writing trip, I'm always thinking about the writing and if it's going to be good because I want to enjoy riding my bike as well. And trying to, it's hard because, like, when you're filming, you can spend a whole day filming and not actually really ride your bike apart from hitting a corner five times, hitting a jump <laughs> five times. And you totally. like ride a section of trail, but you're just constantly stopping. So yeah, this yeah. this year especially, try to maybe give ourselves like a little bit more room so we can enjoy some of the riding to go with it and, and also get the content that we want to get. Are you, uh, are you pretty deliberate? It, it seems like you've thought a lot about kind of your brand of content, like what it means to create good content. Um, is that something that you put a lot of thought into from the beginning or like a skill that you've developed? I think a bit of both. I put a thought into what I wanted it to look like at the beginning. And then also with it came the development of skills. And I've been also lucky enough to work with some pretty incredible creators of also worked their way up like i worked with the sleeper co guys glenn and max yeah. um they helped with the first series of the showcase and that was really cool and it was also a bit of a movement for them i think especially glenn um he started he took that the project on knowing that he wanted to do something himself in the future and then from that same summer, he got a couple of other projects with Rab Wardell and then Cathro. Um, and yeah, I, I think just seeing learning like is the main thing I take, say, taking away from it. Every project or every shoot that I've gone on, I've always come away with a new piece of knowledge or a new thought or how could I do something better or, or what do I want my content to look like? And mm. I think I just like learning. I, I think that's yeah. a really important part like us being a human is is learning all the time and you know it keeps me going 
like I still want to learn how to be a better rider. Still, you know, I don't train like I used to in any way. In fact, I wouldn't really say I trained at all. I just ride my bike <laughs> is, is really what I do. But, you know, sometimes I think like maybe I should do a little bit of training. And I was like this year I tried to do a bit more gym based stuff because like I also don't want to get injured. I still want to be able to yeah. ride, you know, want to be able to crash and not be like, oh, shoulders not really yeah. going to take it or I'm not going to have to ride a long descent. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's just kind of grown with it. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting that there is always kind of like more string to pull once you get into something. It's definitely felt like that for me, getting into the presenting and commentary. You're like, oh, yeah, it's just kind of talking or, you know, coming up with a script or whatever. But then as you get into it, there's always so much more to it, so much more story. Do you have uh, maybe like two or three lessons that really stick out to you as you've developed your kind of eye and skills in the content creation space? I think on the presenting thing that sometimes it's easy to get obsessed with, with perfection. And quite often it'll be like, we might do like five takes or something. And it's like the first takes pretty much the best because it's natural. You're not yeah. thinking you're in the moment and you're just doing it. Um, and I think what else? I think enjoyment, like enjoy the moment that you're in also because it's quite easy to get caught up or stressed or thinking like, oh, this actually isn't working out or this isn't what I envisioned. And, you know, tr just try and enjoy where you are and what you're doing because it can be easy to get caught up with those little things and not actually where you are and what you're doing. Yeah. Maybe are the, are the two things I'd say. Do you do you see marks of what makes people succeed? Because I feel like there's so many kids that are like, oh, I'm going to go and ride my bike, get a GoPro or film some videos with my friends. But then they never end up kind of reaching that next threshold to where they can do it as a career. I think now it's much harder. I think when I first started like five years ago, is there was less people. There was less competition. So, yeah, I think it's harder now. But it's also changed a lot. Like long form content is less of a thing now and people are interested in these short five, 10, 15 second clips. <laughs> yeah, <and right. laughs> oh man, like how many clips do you watch a day and you don't even remember them yeah. versus maybe one film that you watch per month and you're like, damn, that was inspiring or those visuals were incredible or that's a trip of a lifetime that I'd like to go on. Yeah. And, it, it's it's hard right now because there are so many people creating. Mm -hmm. At the time, no World Cup races were even thinking about it. Now, now a lot of the guys, like you look at Bern, what Bern is doing, for yeah, example. Uh -huh. And it's a totally different style of content. Right. But at the same time, it's super successful. And yeah. I, I don't think there are any rules. It's just what works for you. You might find a niche. And if you, are, if you do, you're lucky. Yeah. It, is uh, tell me about um, what you wanted to do with the Scotland showcase. The showcase idea really came about in COVID, and I was like, couldn't travel, so that was like my A plan scuppered, I guess, for the year. Yeah. And then COVID came around again, and I was like, I need something just a solid idea that's gonna let me, you know, create something really cool, something different, and that's. That was probably the first like mid to top level piece of content that I created. We'd, we'd spend three, four days 
per episode really focusing on what the quality looked like. It wasn't about quantity, it was about quality, it was about storytelling, it was about inspiring people to come to Scotland. And then in that summer I also had my daughter Izzy and it was like, okay, like, and becoming a parent, I was like thinking, I was like, there's so much change going on in the world, like I want, we're very lucky as well in Scotland to have access to the trails for mountain biking and I was like I also want this to be there for her so right. it was like kind of all came together I wanted to talk a little bit about sustainability in it I wanted to learn myself again about how I guess I could be a better mountain biker um, and I also wanted to inspire people who live in Scotland to go new places or you know once you weren't really thinking at that time but you're like right COVID is going to end at some point inspire people to come to Scotland and I do feel very lucky to live where I are, where I do. Um, the trails are amazing and just wanted to create a piece that documented the best places to ride. So season one was really all about that. And then season two was, dude, we went on some epic. <laughs> so it was just all about exploring, exploring new places, pushing my own personal boundaries and, you know, showcasing me discovering some new places because there were you know I'd, I'd look at mountains and be like i wonder if you can mountain bike up there like what would right. it be like and that's what we set out and there was there were some really really pretty long grueling days like talking there's some stories in there <laughs> like that you know they're just right unbelievable just really long hard days tough ground Midges, dude, you know all about the midges from being at Fort William. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like I wouldn't even go outside if I lived in Scotland. It's like a biting gnats, yeah. I guess, the best way to yeah, describe Yeah, like them. tiny bugs with the teeth of piranhas <laughs> is how I described them once. Yeah, totally, totally. That's a way better. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, <laughs> I do want to touch on, man, such nightmares. Oh, my God. Um, I want to touch on a little bit of the, the sustainability. Like I, I love this um, quote. So uh, from the series, all the emissions will be offset. Each episode will have a slightly different storyline around sustainability and the advertising revenue generated from you watching the series will be split across planting more trees in Scotland and the local trail associations. Was there a kind of a spark for you to, to do this? Like, did you notice some, trails kind of going away or what was the impetus yeah not really going away it's funny after i created the series there was a big storm came in and some trails did go away as a result of like it was a once in a lifetime storm that hit but it was just you know it was just an idea that i wanted to give back to the trail associations in some way like i don't feel that i have enough time to go and dig and and put back to the trails and maintain them and look after them. So I was like, okay, that revenue can go back to that. And then I was like, well, making it like completely carbon neutral is in, in the end it was carbon negative um, by offsetting. So I did a bunch of research around like how much carbon does one tree absorb in its lifespan hmm. um, to, to make, to like offset carbon and then added up the total um, miles that we drove as a 
group. There is Max filming, there is Glenn filming, there is Johnny Cook shooting photos, there is me driving. Yeah. We would shared as much as we could, and then there would always be like one person who was coming from here or there. So added up all those miles, right. did the calculation. I've got a spreadsheet somewhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> to work out how many trees needed to be planted. And it was, you know, I want to say it was about 85 or 90. And we ended up with the ad wow. revenue planting about 110. And I didn't want to just plant oh, that's amazing. any trees. I also planted Scottish native trees because what a lot of people don't actually know about Scotland is so it is incredibly beautiful. Like you've got these amazing mountains, you know, the landscape driving to Fort William is just beautiful. But at one point, all that was forest. Um, and no way, really? Yeah. So that has been um, cut down or um, deer and sheep have um, eaten away wow. at the saplings. So um, there's a big push, especially in the North Highlands at the moment, to try and regenerate some of the landscape and kind of take it back to what it was like um, However, I don't know, years and years ago. Um, totally. So, yeah, I wanted to do something that actually gave back to the country. So, yeah, planted native Scottish trees through Trees for Life. And, yeah, feel it feels like a really nice feeling to have done that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I always, that drive into Fort William is my favorite drive in the world that I've ever done so far. Like, I always... um tell people if you've seen james bond like skyfall yeah. it's like at the inn when they're driving to the to the house the cottage or whatever uh yeah that is just so beautiful do you have any advice um for other riders like thinking about sustainability is there anything people can do kind of in their local is it about just donating to trails or like what have you learned with all the research i think yeah donating to trail associations you know it's so simple man but like everyone goes and rides right and probably buys a cup of coffee if you gave you know two three dollars pounds whatever to the trail association that you're riding in that day it mounts up pretty quick yeah um they can yeah. buy tools they can maintain the trails better they can look after them and you know it's just little things like lift sharing make a big difference two cars going versus one like and just yeah. just thinking about it as a rider, like where you are, you know, sometimes you have to actually stop and be like, oh, man, my bike has actually taken me here. And there is a few moments in the series where you're just like, I'm in probably one of the most beautiful locations in the world to ride. Mm. And yeah, that's kind of what it was all about. And it's quite easy to forget about that, especially when you're riding, you know, however much a bike costs these days through the woods and For all you're sure. thinking about is going faster or hitting that jump or the berm and you know where you are is also a pretty incredible part of mountain biking yeah are there things that you've wished that the industry at large would do better in terms of sustainability i think maybe moving forward it would be really cool to see more brands investing in trails investing in building sustainable trails and also just yeah. encouraging people to get out on their bike. And it's definitely a growing thing for sure in Scotland. We've got an amazing network. Um, even since I created that series, it's grown. There's um, developing mountain biking in Scotland. They're doing an amazing job of actually 
getting people on bikes, getting the word out there. But I think it'd be really cool to have some industry support because it's, you know, the landscape of mountain biking is also growing there. There's more people than ever on bikes, buying bikes, interested in bikes. And it'd be cool to see, see some stuff going back there. So kind of wrapping up, um, probably a selfish question for myself too. Is there a video that you feel like people should take a look at? Um, like maybe one of your favorite videos where you're like, yeah, if you go to my YouTube channel or, you know, my Instagram or some sort of content that I've created, like this is the one to start with. I think for sure is Scotty Scotland Showcase. Like that for me is like, I'd say the height of what I've achieved so far. Um, there's a couple of cool pieces coming out later this year, like the Columbia one. It's going to be really, really cool. It's got an amazing storyline. It touches again on that sustainability aspect in a totally different way. Some of the characters that we meet and we're lucky enough to meet is, is kind of what I'd say and the experiences that we gained and hopefully want to share. And, you know, there are also, they had trail associations there and yeah, they, they were donating money and you know, buying tools and had like a pot going where they could go and buy the tools they needed to build more trails or giving back to the farmers who owned the land or donating bikes to the villagers who who perhaps didn't have any money to buy bikes for their kids. And dude, it was, it was really cool. And, you know, experiences again that just, if I didn't ride bikes, I'd never have. Right. Yeah, it is pretty amazing the the places that uh, a bike takes you, you know, like I, I, my little, what was it, I guess my preparation before I dropped into a World Cup was always to like find the most beautiful view I could and just kind of think about how crazy it is that I'm here at that moment because of my bike. Uh, and there's been so many of those moments like racing or not that that the bike is done and it's just insane yeah i mean dude it's a it's a tool for taking you places right i was yeah. thinking about that today as i was riding down the hill it is just a tool that can take you somewhere completely new be that be that on a completely journey like a journey where you need to escape and you like feel like really wound up as soon as you go for a bike ride whatever that problem was it's gone man you it's feel gone. way better for it like you feel yeah. like a new person you come back and you're smiling and happy and yeah bikes are good <laughs> true that um okay so our last traditional closing question is who inspires you who inspires me i think anyone who's chasing their dreams and doing what they love whether whatever that might be, whatever it is, however they've gotten there, just if they're doing it and they absolutely love it, I think there's something pretty special about that because not everyone gets to. And if you can achieve your dreams, whether they're childhood or if they're just something that you've landed into and you just, you know, you get up every morning and it's the first thing you think of, it's pretty special. Totally. I 100% agree. Scotty, this has been so good. Thank you so much for coming on. Dude, it's been a pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Looking forward to seeing the Columbia video and we'll talk soon. Thank you.
You've been listening to You Inspire Us, a podcast brought to you by Thule. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. Learn more about the Thule ambassadors and get behind the scenes content by following us on Instagram at Thule or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Thule. You can also watch this podcast as a video on the Tula YouTube channel. This episode was hosted by me and produced by Saga Ringmar. Lena Nilsson assisted with social media. Cover art was created by Martin Bergstrom. And intro and outro music were written by Klubin. Special thanks to our executive producer, Tina Lasilius. Thanks for listening. <laughs>